0: this is Pastor Nate Ward with Open Door Church, and I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our podcast. It's my personal prayer that you would be encouraged and encountered by the Holy Spirit and challenged by his word. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. Well, guys, uh, speaking of Christmas gifts, and I know Adam just kind of asked jokingly who got the best gift, but I really want to know who got the best gift. What'd you get? You got a KitchenAid. Well there's that's pretty cool. Anybody else? Can anybody top a KitchenAid? Wait, what'd you get? Jesus. Oh come on, Jack. <laughs> People are booing him when he says that. <laughs> well, whatever. I'm going to go with KitchenAid, uh, you win, you win a KitchenAid, there you go, Woo. and then Kelly and I win because we got you the KitchenAid, <laughs> just kidding, anybody get a worst gift, like who got the absolute worst gift this year, nobody's, a, like your family's still in the room and so you don't want to talk about it, is that kind of the deal, anybody get a terrible gift, it doesn't even have to be this year, somebody just tell me like the worst gift that you ever got, that was like a real gift on Christmas. A gift you never got. What have you been asking? I've been asking for a snowmobile for years. For like seriously, for like the last six years. Who gets a snowmobile this year for Christmas? My son, not me. Four years old and he gets a full blown like Polaris RMK like snowmobile. I'm gonna ride that thing around, okay? Uh, (laughs) But uh, back, uh, to, to backtrack, I've gotten some pretty bad gifts in the past. Um, pre like coming into family we were all like bachelors and give each other like dumb gifts I one time got a a gift that was literally a stocking full of uh, my best friend's uh, cat litter Um, and they thought that that was funny and like we like it wasn't like a white elephant like one of those gift exchange games like we were giving each other gifts like we got her something nice Uh, I don't remember like something it was at least 10 bucks you know and uh, she's like, here, Merry Christmas. And there's cat litter and what? Uh, I'll let your imagination go wild with that. We were a, li- we were a little, like, bummed about that. Uh, I did learn, though, that uh, towels are not great Christmas gifts. I thought I did a great job. Uh, when Kelly and I first got married, I was like, man, what? She's always talking about how she would like nice towels. And so uh, for her big Christmas present that year... I bought a bunch of towels, like nice hotel, like fancy towels, thinking like she's gonna love these. Um, but turns out uh, she would much rather have something like sparkly um, <laughs> and not uh, ultra practical like towels. Um, well, I'm learning. I'm learning. I did a little better this year, right, baby? Like I did a little better? Okay. She got something sparkly this year. Um, (laughs) But to me, like a towel is a great present because I love practical gifts. And I realize that doesn't really translate across the spectrum, but uh, I really like gifts that I can use. So like I can honestly say, I think I won Christmas this year. I didn't get a single gift that I was like, I didn't like, or even was like meh. Like I got awesome stuff for Christmas, and I want to brag about it, and I'll do that later, so we'll talk after service, but I got fun, cool stuff for Christmas. I didn't get a snowmobile, but uh, maybe next year. (laughs) Anybody listening to this podcast, next year, uh, if I don't have a snowmobile yet, it's still what I would like. Um, Anyway, uh, (laughs) but I, I felt like I did pretty good at Christmas. I felt like I got some pretty good stuff, and it was great, but um thinking, thinking about gifts, I love practical gifts. Like my mother-in-law got me a great practical gift in taking care of my cast iron that I love, that I use every day. I love things that uh, like serve a practical purpose like boots and I can use them every single day regardless of if it's Christmas time or not. I don't know. Uh, I go and get coffee uh, every Sunday morning. It's just kind of like my deal. I don't get coffee. I get a chai. Uh, from Starbucks because it's the only coffee shop that's open on Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. And so I go into City Market, and I get something to drink, and then I go and spend some time in prayer. Um, and uh, I love this time of year because it's the day after Christmas, and everything gets marked down like 75%, right? Anybody about those things? What? Yeah. And so you can buy all kinds of great knickknacks and all the fun stuff um, for like 75% off. Uh There's like toys and everything. So I walked into City Market this morning and start looking at everything on the shelves and the candy's only 40% off right now. But all the other Christmas stuff's like 75% off. You get like an ugly Christmas sweater that says joy on it or like Christmas decor or like these absurd gifts that you'd really only give in like a white elephant game because they're all Christmas themed, right? That's the whole idea of Christmas is that once Christmas is over, you can't really sell the Christmas-themed things because they only fulfill a specific purpose for a very minuscule amount of time throughout the year, right? That's how clearance works, and they've gotta make room for Valentine's Day candy. Like, no joke, last week I was at Walmart, and I was like doing last-minute Christmas shopping for Christmas dinner, and they already have all the, I went to go like the Christmas candy aisle to see if I could find my wife a chocolate orange. Nope, but I could get her a bag of confection hearts, right? It's not, it's, anyway, (laughs) nobody cares. Um, I don't know why I got off on this rant about Valentine's Day candy in the middle of my Christmas message, (laughs) but we'll bring it back. Um, You're thinking of gifts. You're thinking of, uh, you know, I was talking about gifts that you give, great gifts, bad gifts, or pointless gifts, or the gifts that are kind of cool, but really only serve use and functionality around Christmas time. And I was thinking about this as I was looking at all this stuff this morning uh, while I was waiting for them to make my chai. And I was like, oh, I could get a good deal on some Christmas stuff right now. It's like 75% off. This is going to be great. And I started looking and I was like, this is just junk. Like, why do I want to spend money on junk? I would rather give money to people to take away the junk that I already have in my house. Like, I was... Trying to find like a good deal on some more Christmas stuff, and I was like, I'm just gonna throw this in a box and not see it till next year. If I buy like this joy decoration that we'd put on a shelf, like, why am I gonna spend money on this? And uh, it kind of weighed heavy on me as I started thinking about how many people in our culture today kind of treat Jesus in the same way. They treat the gift of God in the same way as, uh, you know, we'll bust him out around Christmas time, maybe Easter if we're lucky, and we'll we'll have these these few weeks of year where Christ might be present in conversation and might be at the forefront of our thoughts because, you know what, we get to have a holiday and we get time off and and we get to to celebrate in a sense. And just want to caution us, want to urge you that we can't make a big deal as Christians about putting Christ back in Christmas if he's not present every day. Does that make sense? Like we can't, we can't, like, uh, we can't treat the gift of God and the gift of salvation that He gives us that we're celebrating this time of year and let it just be a fleeting moment in a season that passes. And now we're now we move past the fact that the beautiful reality that God became a man and lived a, a sinless life and died a horrific death that we might be with Him. Let all of that just kind of pass us by because you know what? It's December twenty-sixth, and now we got to move on to our New Year's party, and wait for you know Pastor Nate to preach a, like a series on vision and how twenty twenty-two is going to be our year and all that stuff. Like we can't move past this simple elementary truth, of of the beauty of God bending low for mankind. And I, I would hate for us to do a disservice this morning about kind of. Wrapping up our Christmas celebration and remembering the fact that God came and let it be like a warm, fuzzy, nostalgic feeling while we sing Christmas songs and move past that because I, I, I think we can move into dangerous um, territory there. And so I know that I've said this a lot and I'm going to say it again. Um, Jesus cannot be something we simply add to our lives. The gift of salvation isn't just a one-time gift that we receive, that somehow makes what we currently have going on better. I don't want us to confuse following Jesus with convenience, because he never ever stated that in any of his in any of his writings, anything that Jesus ever said, uh, or in the Bible, do we see? Uh, the gift of salvation, do we see what Jesus did for us uh, for our convenience? Um, I believe he is every bit worthy of our daily surrender. And so I I say this a lot. I say that Jesus um, isn't just something that we add add to our lives to make it better, but he's got to be the one that we completely surrender to, and that changes everything. And I, I really want to kind of dispel the notion this morning that Jesus came to make your life better. He actually came to give you a new life. Amen? Amen. It's important for us to remember that. I want, I, and, and track with me here, this isn't like, a, uh, this isn't like I need a volunteer to, to do an illustration. We're going to have to pretend, because I don't have $100 million. Um, but Braden, because you're awesome and you've helped me chop down a tree, we're going to pretend that I'm going to hand you a check for $100 million. Don't cash it. It won't clear. But if, <laughs> if you could trust me, and I did that, how would that change your life? It would change your life in a very, very drastic way, right? Uh, I imagine if I gave $100 million to anybody in this room, uh, it, would be, it, it would change all of your lives, right? There's nobody here just sitting there, oh, that's chump change. If it is, I want to talk to you and how you can support the kingdom. Um, that'd be great. <laughs> but, but the reality of it is is uh, that's a large chunk of money, and that changes people. That changes the way that you live. Um, and I think we could probably make a strong argument that it might not necessarily be for the better right? (laughs) There's a lot of challenges and pitfalls that comes with uh, a lot of money like that, but I don't think anybody here would reject that. Maybe if you would, let's talk. Uh, We could do a lot for the kingdom with a hundred million dollars. I'm just saying this, something that drastic and that generous would completely alter the rest of your life. Yet, I think we take we take something like that and something far more glorious in the coming of Jesus, something far better in the gift of salvation that Jesus offers us, that demands a changed life in response to what he gives, so many of us look remarkably similar to the way that we lived before we knew Jesus. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to play this game of where we're like, we compare God to money or anything like that. What I'm trying to say is Jesus is far better than $100 million. And our life should look drastically more different because we have Jesus than it would if we just had $100 million. Does that that make sense this morning, friends? And so I'm saying that uh, because things should look different. Things ought to look different. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. I think I gave those to you guys to put up there. Uh, This is what Paul would tell us. He says, "...for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast." That's good news, friends. That's what we're celebrating this morning. That's the beautiful promise that we have, is the fact that we were broken in humanity. God saw our great need and still desired us. It's what Romans tells us, that uh, while we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love for us, right? (laughs) And we see that happen through his son, Jesus. That's what we're celebrating today, right? This gift of salvation, this free gift. And, you know, we could talk about the Greek words here that uh, mean, like, graciously given, completely free, without charge. It's really cool. But we understand that salvation is a free gift that God chose to give. There's no strings attached to it in a sense that, like, oh, here you go, but you've got to do so and so first to meet the criteria. I don't know if anybody ever gets these timeshare, uh, like, promotions, like, in the mail or, or whatnot. They're like... Uh, Come and, like, uh, spend three nights in Cabo. Uh, But really, you have this list of pre-criteria that you meet. So Kelly and I are always looking for, like, a good deal. And not only do they make you, like, sit through a timeshare presentation after you take your trip or while you're there, there's, like, a list of restrictions on what you have to qualify for before you can even go on those kind of, like, uh, timeshare-y, like, promotional trips you have to make like a, over a hundred thousand dollars a year you have to be married and you have to be over 35 and all of these different criteria for a lot of this stuff that's not the way that it works with jesus <laughs> he gives a gift freely without you having to meet any need you don't have any kind of a, a thing that you have to measure up to or 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 a thing that you have to go through to prove yourself before you can embrace the gift But I think one of the things that we misconstrue about salvation being a free gift is that it doesn't cost us anything. Because yes, salvation is free, but salvation is the entry point into kingdom living. Salvation is the entry point into life with Jesus. And Jesus very, very clearly, multiple times throughout the scripture, uh, says that there's a real cost in following him. I mean, he, he tells us that you need to count the cost. <laughs> we, we read that, that to follow Jesus, that we're going to have to take up our cross and deny ourselves. There is a real cost in saying yes to Jesus. And Now, I'm not saying that salvation is earned by any means, but when we say yes to Jesus, when we embrace that gift that he is so freely given, it demands a response. It demands a life that looks different than it did before and if our lives do not look radically different from before we said yes to Jesus than they do after we said yes to Jesus, we're missing something about the transformative power of God and the Holy Spirit. Because he did not die. He did not come as a baby. He did not live as a man. He did not die uh, and give us the Holy Spirit so we could look marginally better. He didn't make... Uh, He didn't come to just make bad people a little bit better. He came to make dead people that were dead in their trespasses alive in Christ. And we are supposed to. We have to look radically different than what we did before. If we're not, we need more of him. And we need to invite the Holy Spirit to come and do a radical work in our lives. Because Jesus didn't just save us from something. We all know, like, we've heard probably the cliche about uh, Jesus being like our get-out-of-hell-free card, and it's more than that. But the reality is there are a lot of people that feel like Jesus came and what he did with coming in the first place and dying and rising again and defeating death was simply to keep us from being punished in hell. But we know that the promise of, the, the promise of salvation is eternal life and knowing God. We, we weren't just saved from something. God didn't just come to save us from sin, but he actually saved us for something. And we're quick to talk about this verse in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9, where where we're quick to recognize that it's by grace through faith that we're saved, and it's not by works lest any man should boast. But the very next verse, verse 10, talks about the works that God has prepared for us to do. If you read verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. (laughs) which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so we have to understand that God, yes, we didn't do anything to earn our salvation. That's the simple response of the heart to say yes and receive from God. He's out there with his hand freely, generously giving of his son, and he invites us to partake. And when we do, there's no strings attached. But then after that, there's work to be had. There's work to be done, and as a response generated by the fact that we have been saved, by the fact that he has given freely of himself to empower us to do the good works that he prepared beforehand for us to do. I realize, you're like, Pastor Nate, we know this. Like, this is this is elementary. We can't move past the glory of, of, of how God works and how he ministers, how he came and just kind of sit there. I, I don't want us to just revel in the fact that thank you, Jesus, for saving us without missing out on the, on the notion that he has something in store for us to do with what he did. Because if he, if he just came and he lived and he died and, and we said yes to him and we prayed a prayer, um, then we should all just go home, right? He should just rapture us up with him right now but he has things laid up that he has set forth in his heart that he has has designed and he has intended for you to walk out in completion. And there's good work to be done after we say yes to Jesus. Does that make sense? And so we're talking about these things today. We're going to talk about the incarnation, which is, you know, it's a fancy theological word. It's not in the Bible. But we're talking about God becoming a man. That's what we're celebrating here at Christmas time. We're going to take communion, and I'm excited about that. But I don't want the familiarity of the nativity, the the, the familiarness of uh, of maybe the Christmas story to lose its potency, to lose its power just because, you know, we've heard it, to let it go in one ear and out the other and be like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. But I want us to think about it. Uh, the craziness of God in his glory, choosing to become a man. Not even like a fully formed human being, but coming as a baby, completely dependent, in a sense, upon his mom and his dad. This Such humility that is demonstrated in Christ. We've been talking about it in Hebrews as we've been walking through it in Deeper Project. It's amazing. And I've heard it put this way before, that That religion is man's way of reaching out to God, right? But Christianity is God's uh, action of reaching man, right? All the world religions, all the major world religions, revolve around this notion of how do you get to God? How do you reach nirvana? How do you practice good karma? How do you get to heaven? What you do in order to get to God. You look at Hinduism, Buddhism, all of these, uh, all of these kind of major world religions revolve around the, the human aspect of you doing something to get to, insert your kind of theological preference here, where Christianity throws that all on its head, and it's no longer about what you do to get to God, but it's all about what Jesus did to get to you, right, and I think that's awesome. I, I, I think that's wonderful, and that's what we're celebrating today. So as we take communion this morning, as we think about the the reality of God coming to get us, <laughs> I don't want it to to lose its effect. I don't want it to to kind of uh, just be something that we pass over because we're familiar with it. You know, we maybe have been in church for a long time. We may uh, we may know uh, the scriptures. We may this might be like our like. 60th plus Christmas. I, I don't know, but like this is, we, we can't afford to just let this pass us by. And so uh, my plan was we were initially gonna do this um, on Christmas Eve and we were gonna have candles. We were gonna sing Silent Night. And then I thought, well, that's kind of weird to sing Silent Night in the morning and light <laughs> candles when it's really bright outside. <laughs> so, uh, if you really had your heart set on doing a candlelight aspect of the service, um, sorry. Yeah, you could you'd probably pull a candle out on your phone and put it up or something like that. Um, don't do that. That'd be weird. We'll make fun of you. Um, but I want to I read this. and I, I just, I want, uh, so Father, I'm asking that you would allow your Holy Spirit to let the Word impact us this morning. Lord, we think about these things. They seem elementary. Lord, we we might know them in theory, but Lord, help us put them into practice. Lord, we want to be transformed by the reality of your coming, not just agree with it, not just embrace it, not just accept it, but Lord, we want to surrender to it. We want to surrender to you. I'm asking that your word would, would do what you designed it to do, what you intended it to do. Jesus' name. John 1.14 tells us. This is what we're celebrating. This is what we've been celebrating this whole kind of Christmas season. and We're reminded that the word became flesh. This is talking about Jesus here and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you. Jesus. And Adam, I'm going to invite you to come on up and get ready. We've been reading in Hebrews. We've been reading in deeper project. Hebrews chapter 2 talks about the humanity of Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about the deity of Christ. Hebrews chapter 2 talks about the humanity of Christ. And it's awesome how it all kind of comes in together. And it's not that uh, there's this kind of massive theological explosion of the mind when we, think about, uh, when we think about Jesus being fully God and fully man. And a lot of, a lot of uh, I, I know that I've heard it preached before that God set aside his deity to embrace humanity, and I, I feel like that is dangerous theology because uh, God was always God, and Jesus is always God. And he came as a man to be fully God and fully man. And I can't figure out the math on that. And so it's one of those mysteries, wonderful things that should stir your heart to wonder as we think about God. Not just being half God, half man. Not just was God and now is a man. But we see in Jesus, God, incarnate, fully man, fully God. But embracing and choosing to live as a human we read that in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. It says, because God's children are human beings. Because you and I are human, made of flesh and blood, the Son, God, also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. Right? That makes sense. Right? God can't die. So he chooses to become fully man that he might taste death. Because... Only by dying could he break the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. And so I know it's kind of a, we think of Christmas time as the time where Jesus came as a baby in a manger, right? We think about the Magi, we think about who weren't there. Uh, we think about uh, the shepherds, and we think about the Christmas story. We think about little baby Jesus away in a manger, if you will. And that's awesome. We celebrate that because that's all fulfillment of the Old Testament promises. And it, it shows that God is serious about doing what he said he was going to do. And it, he, he's serious about his follow through. And we, we, we think about Jesus, but, but he didn't stay a baby in a manger, but he lived a real life. A sinless life, right? And eventually tasted death. Because it was only by dying that he could break the power of death over his children. (laughs) And that is the promise that we celebrate. That's the whole reason why Christmas is a big deal for us. It's not just that Jesus came. That's awesome. But Jesus came, he lived and he died. And he rose again and he's coming back again. It gets better. (laughs) We're only like midway through the story right now. but we have reason to celebrate because he has broken the power of death because he became flesh and blood. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to remember that in the way that Scripture instructs us to remember that, by taking the Lord's Supper, by taking communion. And so we're going to, we're going to sing this song one more time. And over the next couple minutes, if you would, as you're prepared, would you come, and we have the elements over here. We have juice, and we have crackers. Um, and we'll, we'll come back together at the end of this song. We're going to, to take the Lord's Supper together. But this is what the Apostle Paul would tell us in First Corinthians chapter 11. For I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you. until he comes. Paul would go on to warn us in that same chapter to be careful how we take this cup. Be careful how we, uh, how we take this bread. That we shouldn't do it in a manner that's unworthy. That we should examine ourselves. And So as we worship this morning, I'm, I'm going to ask us to, to just have a little heart check with the Lord. Just check in and and see how you're doing. (laughs) I don't want you to feel like, man, if you've not been like straight A's with Jesus, that you shouldn't take of this cup and that you shouldn't take of this bread. But this gives us opportunity to get right with him now. He wants us to be close to him. He wants us to be with him. That's the whole reason what we're celebrating this morning. so I'm going to pray real quick and then we're going to sing this song and as we do that, we'll we'll grab the element. So Father, thank you. Lord, I'm thankful that you provided a way. Lord, that you just didn't see the mess that we were in and leave it that way. But Lord, you took on flesh and blood. You lived a real life. You died a real death so that we could be with you. We thank you for that. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Our ministry is made possible entirely by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, visit us online at www.opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give, see our service times, and stay connected with Open Door Church. We hope to see you soon.